You're listening to the What's Happening in Christmas Lighting podcast with David Henry. He'll be giving you tips, tricks, ideas, news on new gear, but most importantly, help you make a great Christmas light show. Welcome to the third episode of What's Happening in Christmas Lighting. In this episode, David will be talking everything controllers. He'll tell you what controllers are and how to use them. We'll look at long-range controllers, receiver boards, as well as smart receiver boards. He'll give you a history lesson on Christmas light controllers and look at a brand new controller from Matos Designs and Experience Lights called the Dragon Controller. Alright friends, and welcome back to our show. What is happening? What in the world is happening in Christmas lighting? What's happening in Christmas lighting? I'm David from LearnChristmasLighting.com, and today we're continuing our, our intro level series, which is going to be probably most of what we put out this season, uh, this first season. And I want to talk about what are controllers, plus an unofficial history, plus some new products that are going to be controllers. Okay, so controllers. Let's define what in the world a controller is. Because if you think about the word controller, like your mind might go to like a, a video game controller, right? That's a controller. Um, you know, but in this case, in Christmas lighting, a controller is not a device that has buttons on it that you press to go, you know, up, down, up, down, left, right, enter. Um, instead, it's kind of a middleman uh, in, in your Christmas light show. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by a middleman? So your lights, the, the pixel lights that we use in Christmas lighting shows, they can't, there's two things that they can't do on their own when you buy them, Okay. The first is that they can't just plug into the wall. We talked about that on, on the last show. Um, they don't just plug into the wall. They don't just plug into regular wall power. And then the second thing that they can't do is they they really can't just plug straight into a computer either. And so you might be saying at this point, you know, based on my description, um, why the heck would I ever buy this stuff if, <laughs> if they can't do that? Uh, and, and the reason why is because uh, I think I think at least we're going to summarize this is that uh, a controller which is that middleman that takes your show information and sends it out in a language that the lights can understand there's there's a few reasons why there isn't an individual controller at the end of every string of lights okay like one controller for each string okay and the reason why is that I think it's just a whole lot more cost effective. Um, any given controller can control many, many strings of lights. Depending on, now there's small controllers, there's big controllers. Um, there are controllers that put out short range signals and longer range signals, okay? Um, but in general, a controller uh, is gonna control many strings of lights. And so because of that, we don't have one controller per string of lights. The other reason why, even if you are like, okay, David, like 
I want to buy one controller for every string of lights because that would make my life easier. Just run power to each, the start of each string of lights. And then there's a control box and it goes straight out to that string, right? Each controller just controls one string of lights. And you could do that. You could do that today with the technology, all that jazz, but you're introducing to the system, uh, <laughs> to the, the Christmas light display, a level of complication that's really not necessary or helpful. Um, because now when you go to update your sequences, when you go to change things, when you go to upload your sequences, if you have a lot of controllers that you have to upload to, it's going to go slowly. It's going to take a long time and there's going to be more potential for errors. So back to the basics. Cause I know if you're starting at the basic level, some of the things that I just said might've been a little bit confusing. Okay. Um, so a controller takes the information being played uh, by your show player, or it may contain your show player. We'll talk about the unofficial history lesson in a minute. And it converts that information into a type of signal that the pixel lights that you get for your light show can understand. It also generally provides the low voltage power that these lights need in order to function. It, it generally does both. Not always, but more often than not. Okay, so th those are the two main purposes of a controller by definition. Okay, once again, that it gives them the power, gives the pixels the power that they need in order to run. And then number two is that it, um, it makes... It makes the data, it puts the data into a format that the lights can understand and can use. And that data is uh, the reason why we have our controllers kind of as that middleman uh, and we don't just hook a power at the start is because that data is not good at running long distances. It was never designed to do that. And when people try to do it and trick the system, and some people do, uh, it often can be unreliable or do things that are unexpected. Okay. So, two main purposes, by definition, that a controller has. The third purpose that a controller has is, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, they often have your show player built in today, okay? And that's where we start to get into a little bit of a history lesson. When I first started in this hobby, when I first started with Christmas lighting, and when the hobby started, which was uh, long before I started, I mean, not that long before I started, but, you know, before I started... Uh, our controllers did not have a show player built in. So what's that mean? What's a show player? Well, that's a good, that's a good thing to define first, right? Well, a show player plays back your show. What does that mean? That means that it's going to play back the music in, in the sense of a Christmas light show. And it's going to play the lights, the information that the lights need alongside that music. In addition with today's modern show players, they will also sync automatically, or, well, I mean, you got to check a box, but uh, once, once you've got everything set up, they will sync multiple controllers together, with one controller being the player, the main player, that is going to play the music and be in charge. And then the rest of the controllers, the rest of the show players, are going to follow along. Now, there are a few really big benefits to this that we're going to get to here in our history segment. The first, 
is that when you're using a show player that's built into a controller or that's wired by network to the controller, that means that all that data about what to send out to the lights, all that good stuff, is stored within the controller. That means that you can now go ahead and, and reliably run your show completely wirelessly, which is awesome. And if the wireless signal goes down for a second, if it kind of blips out, if it's a little bit weak uh, between some controllers, you generally don't even notice it, um, which is awesome because it just needs enough signal, just needs enough network data over its wireless to be able to know what song it's on, what sequence it's supposed to be playing, and then also uh, to know where they are in time. But the player and the, the remote controllers that follow the main player, you know, they do need to know where they are in time, but they'll also keep their own time. So if they drop off for a second or two, or even half a song, they'll generally stay right exactly in time with where they're supposed to be. So that brings us, as I mentioned, into our history segment. So when I was a young warthog, um, and, and I started in Christmas lighting, okay, the way that you ran your show, and, and this was how many people started, was that you ran it from a computer. This could have been a PC, could have been a Mac, but you had an actual like regular computer. I know this sounds crazy, but it's how it works. Uh, um, you had an actual uh, regular computer that would go ahead and run the show. And this generally worked pretty well, but there were a few things that weren't great about it. Okay. The first is that like most people, I had my computer indoors or some people had it in a garage, but I didn't have a garage. And so that meant I, I had to run a network cable outside. I went through the attic myself um, from the computer to the controllers. Okay. And I had to get from the computer, I had to get network cable to every controller so they could all communicate. So there's that. Um, that wasn't ideal. Then, one time, I didn't have my Windows update settings correct. And Windows updated and, and then it restarted and was stuck on a login screen. And so the show didn't start automatically that night. Okay. Another time, we had a power outage. And using a regular computer, uh, I, it wasn't a laptop, didn't have battery built in, meant that because the power had blipped out for a couple seconds or a couple minutes, that computer hadn't turned back on, and then the show didn't start the next day, <laughs> right? Um, and so when we first started, the show player was built into a computer, and the controllers were wired in a network to that computer in order to play the show, Okay. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't all bad. It was fine. Um, you know, it, it, it really did work fine for the time. But the big downside there, the biggest downside, was that you had to run wire, run a network cable to all those controllers and have them always connected. If you tried to do it wireless, um, it wasn't going to work anyways, but, uh, and, and, you know, it would drop frames and stuff. You'd see it missing uh, certain parts of the, the songs, etc. Wireless was not a good idea with these controllers. Okay. And so, you know, going back in time, basically, there's a few ways people started with these controllers. The first is that they had AC light controllers. 
that ran on basic DMX signal, which is what we use for stage lights and what we use for those moving heads. Um, and, and they use basic controllers that would turn lights on and off, whole strings of regular lights. Then, you know, companies uh, like Lightorama and uh, there's one called the Sand Devices E682 became very popular in the hobby. And these were pixel controllers that could run a small number of controllers or of pixels, sorry, could run small numbers of pixels. Uh, but the biggest thing, again, was still that you had to run a cable uh, from each controller back to a network switch or something and then run that to your computer, okay? Even once the FPP software came out, the Falcon Player, even once that happened, um, you still, instead of running off a PC, now you could at least run a Raspberry Pi microcomputer um, and connect that to all your controllers. But you still had to have a network with network cables going all over your yard to all of your different controller boxes. Okay. Um, but then, after that, some, some cool things started to happen. Okay. So the Falcon controllers, uh, from everything I understand, because I wasn't there when they first came out, they really changed the game in the world of Christmas lighting. How did they change the game? Well, they made a controller that did pixels, okay, that provided power, and we'll talk more about providing power, uh, especially in the next episode, that you could build into a waterproof enclosure yourself, and the cool thing that the Falcon controllers did after a while, probably not at first, was they supported the ability to configure them from the X-Lights software. So now you could have everything set up in the computer and just press a button and it would set up your whole controller. Yes, you still had to run your show off of a computer or off of a Raspberry Pi that was just totally standalone, but you know, it was better. Okay, then the Culp controllers came out. Okay, these are still popular here today. And the Culp, K-U-L-P controllers, um, they have FPP built in. And then we got to the newer Falcon controllers, and they can play your show and are compatible with FPP. So if you have a mix of Culp and Falcon controllers, they can all run on their own. They can all be wireless. They don't have to be connected with network cables. Why am I saying all this? Well, it's to help get you kind of under, understand where we came from, because uh, things used to be a lot more rudimentary. So then I can talk about where we're going. So today, more often than not, if you're in this hobby, you're going to go out there and you're going to buy a controller. I'm recording this in 2022, where there are more new controllers and controller brands on the market within this year than I've ever seen before. It's exploded, and, and I do, um, I do uh, definitely, um, how's the best way to say this? Um, I do uh, definitely think that it, it was caused by a shortage of controllers in the past couple years because of the chip shortage and other things that happened during the pandemic. Okay, and so there's that. Um, but then we talk about the future. So today, you typically go, you buy a controller. It's a circuit board. It's all assembled, but you got to get some power supplies. You've got to get a waterproof box. You've got to get connectors to plug in all your pixels. And you got to put all this stuff together. 
And that's not all bad because, you know, our forefathers, the people that started in this hobby, would literally solder the bare components on to empty circuit boards. Um, and, you know, that's not my cup of tea. Um, and so I'm thankful that, um, that we don't have to do that anymore. But what do we have to do? Well, today, as mentioned, more often than not, you're going to buy this pre-made controller board and you're going to put it in a waterproof box. Maybe you go to a place um, like wiredwatts.com, and I know there's others that have uh, different mounting kits to make it easy, or you go to somebody who's buying these controllers from Falcon or Culp and assembling them and selling them in, in what's called ready-to-run format. Okay, that means like you can buy it and you can you can run it. Okay, um, but but now we're we're walking into the future. Okay, so with controllers, uh, let's just talk about a couple more things with controllers. So they they always supply power to the pixels, and you need to match a power supply with your controller. We'll talk about that more next week. Um, but with controllers. You have two types of output ports for pixels, okay? You have local and long distance, okay? Just like a telephone, man. Uh, <laughs> no, but really. Um, so you have two types of ports. So it used to be, you know, back with the uh, E682 SAN devices, controllers, and the Lightoramas and that stuff, the only pixel ports you had on these controllers were the green terminal blocks that output straight to lights. And they can typically go up to about 20, 25 feet before you start to have data problems because the type of data that pixels use, it just doesn't do well over long distances and the voltage of the power starts to drop as well. So to compensate for this, um, you know, some people, there are these products called like F-amps and null pixels that you can use to attempt to kind of cheat the system and get further distance between your pixels. But that's not my recommendation. I recommend using the long range controllers. And what these do is they have an ethernet port. It's not networked data on, on the controller. You can get them from Falcon, Culp, other places as well. And you run a regular Cat5 cable, Cat6, whatever. Um, it's not a data signal actually. It's, it, I believe it's an analog type signal. And you can run that a couple hundred feet and then put what's called a receiver board. And the receiver board, as you can probably imagine, also plugs into that same plug, that Cat5 cable. And then it goes ahead and has four typically, uh, but sometimes more, ports on it with those green terminal block connectors. Or in the future, they, they're, they're not always terminal blocks. Um, but they, they have the connectors for lights to go out to your different pixels. Okay. So this was, this was what the Falcon F48 did years ago that uh, really changed the industry because now you didn't have to have your strings of lights all start from a controller, from a main controller box. And so now you could spread your stuff out more on your display and not need so many controllers. You could just run a, a Cat5 cable and plug it in at the output for, say, ports 1 to 4 on your Falcon F48 and then plug it into that receiver board on the other end. Now, in terms of history, this is where things get a little bit confusing, okay? So these controllers and these receiver boards started to become smart. Falcon was the first, uh, from what I remember, to come up with smart receivers. Where now, 
if a to- if say you had a port of pixels and it could run a thousand pixels on that port, okay? You don't typically run a thousand lights in a row because there's a lot of power injection that you would have to do in order to keep it working, okay? Uh, and this allowed you to basically come off outputs one through four and do three receiver boards that would share the total amount of pixels for each port. And so now, say you were running 12 volt pixels, um, and I know this math because I do it often, you can now have port one go to three receiver boards, A, B, and C, and each have 300 pixels on it and maybe run them at 30% and be able to run your show all day long using the complete capacity of your controller and also uh, getting the most out of your pixels, okay? So you would have these three receiver boards, you would set them to A, B, and C, and off to the races you go. Where this starts to get really confusing and where the future is bright is that then Culp came out with receiver boards. Now, they're made by Pixel Controller, by Falcon Controllers, okay? But they're different from the Falcon smart receivers. This actually happened when the smart receivers went uh, to be able to have six receivers in a row coming off of a single port. Now, you know, those six-port receivers came out where basically you could go uh, A through F, A, B, C, D, E, F, yeah, six receiver boards on one port and have 24, you know, output ports off of one port of a controller. This got really powerful, but the downside to this is that now the Falcon receiver boards for Falcon controllers only worked with Falcon. And then there's there were the Culp ones, the BeagleBone-based receiver boards, and they only worked with the Culps. And so if you were like me and you had both Falcons and Culps, it was near impossible to keep all your receivers separate. And so at that point, I just started doing my display and setting things up to just do one receiver board again from every uh, from every output on my Pixel controllers. Because I said, you know what? It's just not worth it to do multiple receivers when I've got different brands of controllers and they have different receiver boards and keeping track of it is all kind of a giant nightmare. So that's what I did, right? But now we have uh, some things happening in the future. And that is that this little company called Experience Lights came out, okay? Now, Experience Lights, and I've talked about them before, is a collaboration, uh, is run by two guys, uh, Lee Lindquist and David Peace, who both have a lot of history in the Christmas light world. And they want to make things better. So they've come out with new controllers uh, that this year, 2022 is the first year, that do a few extra things. The first, uh, and I think we'll see this in more future controllers, is it automatically figures out how many pixels are in each string of lights. And it also automatically uh, goes ahead and uh, it has the show fil- the show uh, player built in. Um, and the receivers, if they're a smart receiver from any brand, it figures out which type are connected and it configures them. It's, it just it decides which configured they are, okay? And so now that kind of takes away that issue if you have their controllers, which are new. They also have, you know, Wi-Fi built in, a show player, all, all the good stuff. Um, and so it's really stinking cool. Um, and even better than that, when, where I think the future is bright with controllers, is that they partnered with Matos Designs, 
to make the Dragon Folder. Sorry, did I just say Dragon Folder? On the Dragon Controller, okay? And these guys are a fully built, uh, like, manufactured controller. And the way that this varies is like, okay, so tons of people, like there's CCL controllers, there's a company called Beaching Controllers, you know, they take controllers and they take waterproof boxes and they put them together, right? And they build them out and just like a hobbyist would and then they'll sell them. But this is a little different because it's in a really nice molded case that fits properly and, uh, and it's got power supplies included and... Uh, all of it is detachable, so there aren't wires hanging out of the controller, etc. It's it's really cool to kind of see what's coming down the line, because now you've got these new controllers that when you tear them down at the end of the season, you unplug the things, there's not a bunch of wires sticking out of them. Um, they've got custom wires for your pixels that has a little um, that has a little tail set of tails that come out of it. Uh, the power supplies use a custom uh, plug on them as well. And when you unplug it, you literally just have a box that you can go put away. And it's waterproof, and the power supplies, which are connected to it, uh, just mount on the back of it. I think the reason why they did do the power supplies still separate is in case one of them fails, uh, you can replace the power supplies pretty easily. But uh, this is where it gets really cool, because now, in terms of controller, if you're here today going into the future, and this is including myself, I don't really see a need to go buy a controller board from, from Falcon or from Culp or anybody else and build a physical controller. Because I think I've talked about this before either on videos or out here on the podcast, like what they're asking for cost-wise out of these dragging controllers is well worth the time that it takes to put together a regular controller from another brand. It is. It totally is. And the Dragon Controller, the one they got right now, has eight pixel outputs on it, and then four long-range ports on it. Uh, so in total, it can do like 10,000 pixels, okay? Um, but it, uh, or it could do like 20,000 pixels if you do 20 frames per second. Anywho. So, all that to say. Does that help? <laughs> I hope that helps you if you are new to this hobby. Controllers can definitely be one of those things that can be a little bit confusing. I get it. But I think the good news and the best news about all of this is we're so glad that A, we don't have to build controllers from scratch anymore, soldering components onto circuit boards. B, we don't have to run a permanent uh, hardline network cable to every controller in our show. Uh, C, <laughs> It's really stinking cool that things continue getting better and better and better, have more things built in, have uh, more safety features, and are just more put together than ever before. So I hope that helps you today. Uh, we uh, just really want to do the best to help you find everything you need. And so we hope you did in this podcast, and we will see you guys in our next episode. Really excited to talk about episode four. We're going to talk about power supplies. How do you choose it? How do you know how big of a power supply you need? Should you buy them by the, by the truckload? We'll let you know there. We'll see you guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the What's Happening in Christmas Lighting podcast with David Henry. If you are interested in our dome in our beam or any other Christmas lighting equipment, please visit our Christmas lighting store at store.learnchristmaslighting.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
please listen to our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Don't forget to grab our free guide to begin with Christmas lighting on learnchristmaslighting.com. Learn Christmas lighting, helping you bring the fun back in Christmas lighting.